This is Tim the Steward, Giant Strike Talk, powered by Online Big Blue LLC. Want to talk about did Joe Shane expedite the process with the Daniel Jones contract, which in turn hampered the rebuild? Want to talk about what if the Giants don't take a quarterback first overall? And uh, what if they don't take a quarterback at all in this draft? And want to want, want to talk about a couple other things. But uh, there was an article that came out uh, from what is what's his name from Dan Dugan's a couple hours ago, and he basically said that um, that Joe Shane and something was overshadowed and I guess overlooked. Uh, and it was an admission by Joe Shane. Actually, I didn't even remember him seeing this. That during his season-ending press conference, that he literally came out and said. We were trying to add some weapons. You do a deal with the quarterback, Daniel Jones, and you see how it's structured. So you try to expedite the process and give him a chance to succeed. Huh. When I initially read that, I thought to myself, well, you know what? I, I don't remember that in the press conference, but I, I doubt, I mean, I don't doubt that he said it because you can just go back and watch the tape. Uh, and Dan is pointing this out, but I do find it interesting that Shane, who had, who came here with the understanding and the idea for patience. We need to have patience. We need to we need to trust the process. I always hated that. Like I said, I'm a Sixers fan. Quasi-Sixers fan. I, I always hated the process. Um, and, and, and if you take a look at it and look what he did, you can clearly see, you're right, he tried to accelerate. We we always said this that that six and two start was an aberration. You finish 9-71. You make the playoffs. Yes, we beat the Minnesota team, but it was a very bad Minnesota team. And most intelligent Giant fans understood that this was an aberration and understood the fact that more than likely we were going to take a step back this year. Um, I never gave a record prediction, but I said that we weren't going to make the playoffs and I'd be surprised if we won six games. And it, it was just one of those things that you could see it. You could see it by the roster. You could see the why the salary cap is constructed. Constructed. And I said multitudes of times the worst thing that could ever happen for the Giants was to make the playoffs because if there was this false hope or sense of security that they had in reference to making the playoffs, that well, we did it once, we could do it again. And we've talked about this a, a, a million times. The football is shaped the way it is for a reason. It's to make you either look like a hero or to make you look foolish because you have zero idea how it's going to bounce. So every year it bounces differently. One year you're going to get all the bounces. And next year you're not going to get any of the bounces. And the problem is you could see that our offense back in 2022 couldn't. Just keep matriculating the ball down the field, boys. We couldn't matriculate the ball down the field whatsoever. We had problems. We had a very low-ranked offense. We had a quarterback who, if you take a look at the major statistical categories, wasn't even near a league average. And you went out and you turned around. And you gave him the big. You gave him the big hundred sixty million dollar contracts. You tried to go out and get Paris Campbell. You tried to go out and get Waller. You did things that you probably would not normally do in reference to building or going through a rebuild. And we've talked about the fact that the Giants signed Campbell to a five-year deal. And Campbell came out and said, Giants were the only one offering me a contract. So once again, we were competing against ourselves to go get weapons for Daniel Jones. Same thing with Darren Waller. Darren Waller was on the wrong side of 30, had two years of injuries, was two years removed at that point in time. You know, he had the $10 million contract. The Raiders wanted to get out from it. Everyone talked about it. It was about the wedding. And it had nothing to do with the wedding. It was just the fact that he has hamstring issues and he's on the wrong side of 30 and hadn't been healthy in two years. And the Raiders were in a rebuild process. So what did they do? They dumped the contract. And there was the Giants waving their hands up. Hey, 
We'll take this. You, you take a look at what John Mara said af- after the after the Vikings win, that the Giants are back. And the Daniel Jones' performance was going to move him into the future. And I, I usually don't think that, I mean, I'm, I'm not blind to the fact that Mara probably has an involvement with a lot of things. Because if you're going to give us someone $160 million, you're probably going to have to be involved in the contract. But he was kind of waving the flag and leading the charge to sign Daniel Jones. And we talked about how the contract was structured to basically a two-year deal. Some of us said, really, it's three because you're going to have that dead cap number. And I've said this before. If you think about the cap, people always ask me, why are you so good at the cap, Tim? Because, A, I've sat in cap meetings before. And, and I was taught years ago, a lot of times with the cap, you have to look at it as buckets. So you have your quarterback bucket, your running back bucket, your wide receiver bucket, so on, so on, and so on. Each position has a bucket. So if you have, let's say, two guys in the bucket and they're making, let's say it's a quarterback, and then you have two guys in the bucket and they are making, I don't know, let, let's just say between the two of them that make it easy, they're making $20 million a season for the, that season. But then you have a dead cap number for a guy you got rid of back in the quarterback bucket and that's another $10 million. Well, that bucket is, that, that money is still in that bucket. So now with those two guys, it's no longer they're making $20 million, It's now they're making $30 because that's what the whole quarterback bucket has to offer. So if you bring in another guy, let's say at $5 million, no, you, yeah, you may be bringing him in at $5 million, but you still have to count that $10 million dead cap number for that one player. So now you have $35 million in the quarterback bucket. And what the Giants basically did, though, even though they pushed out some of that money again into 2026, or excuse me, 2025, they added almost 20 plus million into the quarterback bucket for that year. So if you bring in a guy and you give him 20, technically for that year, he's not making 20. The quarterback bucket's making 40. And I love it because now all these people are talking about, there was a downside to trading for Waller. Really? Because I remember everyone saying it was a brilliant fucking move. I remember everyone saying how wonderful it was. I love the fact that nobody seems to want to remember or point out. We traded King of the Almost Sack. Not because of his play, but because of the fact that they needed the cap space. The Giants were in cap purgatory again, like we're going to be in this year, but no more again wants to talk about that. We've talked about it. We're not going to go ahead. We went through, we're not going to go through the videos again, but they needed to fall almost $5 million in operational cap space just because of what they did with the contracts. I love Bobby Okereke. I keep saying this before. I love Bobby Okereke. But we overpaid by him by like $5 million. And for people that think the Giants are in a good cap position right now for this year, you're crazy. You only have 30-something players under contract. Right now, you only have about 38. You can move some money around. You could do some things. But you have... Three guys that are taking up a large portion of your cap space. You're top-heavy again on three guys, and that's Jones, Lawrence, and Thomas. And that is at the doing of your general manager. So one of the easiest things that you can do is restructure the contract to Daniel Jones because that's the biggest albatross. But the problem is you're going to have to push that money out in the 2025-2026 probably. So you have to be damn sure and damn healthy, sure that he is healthy and he can actually perform because we have not seen it in five years. I went back and I thought about this and I actually went back and pulled out some old uh, almanacs, NFL almanacs, which I have. I actually have the hard copy ones. 
And, and I went and I Googled some things. And I was trying to find a quarterback in the modern day era that was given six years to succeed when he's obviously not the answer. And I couldn't find really anyone outside of like going into the 80s and the 90s. Most people move on after year two or three. No, Dan, we're going to go in with year six with Daniel Jones at the helm. And that kind of brought to me my next point. I talked about this on the, um, on the stream the other day. What happens if the Giants don't take a quarterback in 2024? What direction do they go? And I'm not talking, let, let's, let's, I, I assume they're going to have to take a quarterback somewhere in this draft. They just have to. Logic states are going to have to take it. Logic states are going to have to take a quarterback. But I keep thinking to myself, what if they don't? I, I, I keep going through the draft and I keep thinking to myself, the Bears, I still think the Bears are going to trade out. So I think Williams may still go number one overall. You figure, I, I keep hearing a lot of rumblings out of Washington from some people that Washington is love with Drake May. I don't think, I honestly don't think the Patriots are going to go corner, excuse me, quarterback with that first pick. I think they're going to go later in the draft. I think they're either going to go offensive tackle or maybe a wide receiver. And then I, I definitely know the Arizona Cardinals are not going corner quarterback. Excuse me. They're going to go wide receiver. They're going to go off. They're going to, they need to find some offensive linemen. Chargers again, they're probably going to go either wide receiver or they, they're, they're in desperate need of a corner. And the Giants sitting at six could potentially have a pick between Penix and, and Jaden Daniels. And I know some people say that J.J. McCarthy's got a first-round grade. I don't see it. If you take a look, everyone wants to bash Penix for that championship game, but everyone wants to point out that J.J. McCarthy did not have a third or a fourth down completion until almost at the end of the third quarter. Um, and if you want to look at someone that has more physical talents and attributes, you you got to go with Penix. Like I said, I, it's not that he's a lefty. His windup is just wonky. It kind of reminds you a little of Patrick Mahomes' wonky windup. It kind of reminds you of a lot of other players that have had that, 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 unorthodox windup. And it's not because he's a left-hander. But what if, the, I mean, literally, what if the Giants pass in the first round? I mean, do you sit there and you think to yourself, do we go offensive tackle? Do we go the, do we go the non-sexy pick? Do we go, do we try to go up and, you know, grab a wide receiver? Uh, do you move back into the draft, try to get some assets? I like that kid Cole. If you're going to go wide receiver, you know what I would potentially would do? I would take that pick, maybe move. If you're not going quarter, quarterback, I would move that pick out of the top 10. Maybe move it around 12 to 15. Take a wide receiver and try to trade back up into the first round to grab a quarterback. And I, I like that kid Coleman out of Florida State. If you're, if you're going to take, if you're going to go down in the draft, I like Coleman. I think he's the perfect fit for the Giants' office. He's huge at 6'4", 215 pounds. He's got the leaping ability. He's a highlight catch type guy. And, and it's one of those guys that the Giants, I can't, you know, outside like someone like Plexco Burris, when is the last time the Giants had a huge target? And then if you want to take that, take someone like, like Coleman and then trade back into the round, into the first round, you know, you you can then try to maybe get your quarterback done because I do think Penix is going to fall a little bit. So it, it would be interesting if you could come out with someone like Coleman and Penix. 
you know, honestly, I kind of think you, you you fix some of your issues on offense and you fix some of your issues in reference to your wide receivers and you fix your issues in regards to your quarterback. Now, again, you're still going to have that large amount of money sitting there in the quarterback bucket. But at that point in time, you still then have a capability of moving on from Daniel Jones. And I, and I think that that's, um, I, I mean, I think that's kind of where you need to go. There, there, there's still more stories coming out about Brian Dable and how he's toxic. There's still more stories about how he is, he's being very troubling right now. And, and, and there's still, there's still more stuff coming out. And I love it because someone pointed out on the live stream that if Brian Dable wasn't, Brian Dable wasn't toxic. Brian Dable went to his staff. You know, he got all of his staff together evidently at one point during the season and said, if anyone has a problem, got them all in the room and says, if anyone's got a problem with me, just stand up and say so. Nobody stood up evidently. That is an old salesman's trick. That's an old sales manager's trick. Because, and it's all, it's all, it's very psychological. I've seen it before that you get a sales manager gets all the salespeople in a room, because especially if you have salespeople that are complaining about the quotas and go, whoever thinks the quota is too high, just stand up and let me know. No one's going to stand up because no one wants to be the pariah. Nobody wants to be the one that brings everything to light because you know you're the one that's going to catch all the shit. So for no one to stand up tells me nothing besides the fact that da- that Brian Dable is just trying to be a little psychological with his coaching staff and show you, hey, listen, bitches, I'm in charge here. You can whine and cry all you want to each other, but at the end of the day, none of you are going to say anything to me. And, and, and I think that at the end of the day is, 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 is where he needs to start involve. Uh, he needs to start up to evolve. He needs to start moving. He needs to start moving on from that and start becoming a coach. And he needs to get back in. And, and what's funny is if you watched him on the sidelines, even doing that six and two run, he, he always looks like he's, he's, um, he's always like he's going to have an embolism. Even winning or losing looks like he's going to have an embolism. He's got to get away from that. He's got to remember that not every play is a life or death play. That's, you know, you can you can fight on another down. But I just think it's it's just interesting that we're we're still hearing these stories. And I, I also find it interesting that we never get a de- we're not getting any type of denial from the Giants organization. A story like this, if I'm if I'm working at, at, within the Giant organization and someone's saying this to me. I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's two ways you can go. You could just avoid the problem, which more than likely looks like you're culpable for guilt, or you can come out and vehemently deny everything that happened about, you know, about Shane going on the headset and all this stuff. And you come out and say, no, none of this shit's happened. This is all being blown out of proportion. Pat Leonard's an idiot. But the lack of denial or anything coming out from the Giants, I think, is more telling and more glaring than anything else. Because I think their fact is that some of this may be true, and they're worried that if they have that, if they come out of that denial, that they are going to turn around and people are going and someone else is going to come out and say something. They're going to be like, "Well, shit! Now we got egg on our face again." <clears throat> I tell you guys, this organization at times just not a, it's just not a good look. We got to hope we get it right in the draft. We're going to do a draft video coming up in the next couple of days. Don't forget the live stream on Sunday. Might have some special guests. And as always, this is Tim, and don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to ring that bell if you want to know why. That'd be awesome.